You're listening to the Arsenal Church Podcast. To learn more about the Arsenal, go to thearsenal.church. And if you'd like to receive more content throughout your week, feel free to download the Arsenal Church app. We are still in our series, Take Care of Yourself. We've got a couple more weeks because we don't think you've got it yet. Um, no, <laughs> me either. Um, why are we talking about taking care of yourself? Why are we talking about it? Because when we don't take care of ourselves, it's really hard to care for others. Um, there's this caring for ourselves has this ripple effect on the ones that we love and serve. And I think on the contrary or the inverse of that, not caring for ourselves also has a ripple effect on the ones that we want to love and serve, right? If we're not caring for ourselves, it makes it really hard for us to be there and be available for others. Um, I... I think there's an understanding in this idea that there's that we are individuals. So each of us in here is an individual. We're unique, but there's an interconnectedness between us. Um, whereas humanity, we do things together. We do life together as community. We do life together. Um, so we want to try and be the best versions of ourselves, the healthiest versions of ourselves, so that we can be available for others. So we're going to talk through that today. Um, when I do a wedding, um, which I got to do on this last weekend, last minute. Um, it was like, hey, can you marry us tomorrow? Sure, I'll be there. Um, That was awesome. Are are they telling people? It didn't happen. Never mind. Um, No, but anyway, so when I do a wedding, they're not here. I'll tell you. Um, no, it's actually, it's, it's a cool thing. So, uh, look, I'm going to tell them, just calm down over there. Um, uh, do most of you guys know Jose Salazar, uh, Gina's um, oldest son? A couple different things happening. A couple different things. One, um, Jose leaves on Wednesday, uh, Thursday morning for the Army. So he has enlisted in the military. Um, he's going to go be a combat medic. Um, he wants to do special forces. I was like, don't do that. Uh, I'm just kidding. That, that's the place to be if you're going to do it. But, um, right? Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he is leaving on Thursday to go um, enter into the Army. And so um, he had already asked Leah to marry him. Um, and so we, get, we got him married um, officially so that they can go. But you, you'll probably get invited to a wedding later, so just be surprised. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was super sweet, and I'm so excited for them. Um, but anyway, when I do a wedding, um, I often say to the bride and groom during the ceremony, remember to honor and cherish each other as individuals. Um, in our language in marriage, a lot of times we, we say, we've heard this a lot, right? Like two become one. You know, it's, it's, it's scriptural, it's biblical, we talk about this. Like two become one. But I, I, remember, I remember hearing this interview one time, this, uh, this lady was talking about her husband. Uh, they'd gotten married and she was like, I had heard all my life growing up in church, like, two become one, two become one. She's like, I just thought that when we got married, we would both become me. Um, And she quickly realized that he did not all of a sudden become an organized person and, you know, somebody who was just on top of everything and put his socks away. And it wasn't Maddie that said this, but but it could could have been. Um, But she had assumed they'd both become her, and it didn't happen. Um, I think even in relationships where we become like one, 
we're still individuals. We're still very unique in who we are. We need to take care of ourselves in order to be the best version of who we can be for that relationship. So, so today we're going to talk a little bit about what happens when you don't take care of yourself. Uh, there's a few different things that, <clears throat> that I've seen, that I've researched, that are issues that people often develop when they choose to neglect their individual value of who they are. Um, so we'll talk to these real quick. Number one, when you don't take care of yourself, bitterness can happen. You become bitter. Um, wow, we're just jumping in. Um, you can see this in, in marriage. I think I'll use marriage a couple times in this just because it's a relationship we can see um, closely. So we will oftentimes see this in marriage. One spouse neglects their desires and needs for so long that they lose who they are as human beings. They don't know or recognize themselves anymore. They live to please their spouse. This eventually causes them to grow bitter towards their spouse and their marriage. It leaves their spouse confused about what's going on. And we see this happen also in friendships. We see this happen in ministry. It, it happens where people lose themselves in order to be there for someone else. And then there's this bitterness that begins to happen because people don't know who they are. They've lost them. Have you ever heard that? Like, I, she lost herself in this relationship or he lost. Have you, anybody? Okay, thank you. Whew. Um, so they will question who they are or what they want in life or what to do. They become bitter because they're not valuing themselves. It leads to not knowing who they are. There's bitterness that can happen. And, and it's interesting, in, in Psalms 139, I, this verse, I, I, I like how it's um, said in the Passion. It says this, You form my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, and here's the part I like, for making me so mysteriously complex. Like, there's this idea that in this, like, God has shaped us, he has molded us, he's made us, but in the complexity of our own humanity, when we neglect our individual value, you get to a point where it's really hard to know who you are. And in the unknowing of your identity and value, it's really hard to live from a healthy place. So serving or loving others feels like losing more and more of yourself. So at times, if we're not taking care of ourselves, bitterness can begin to creep in. Um, that is, that's number one. Number two, burnout. Anyone ever been there? Yeah. I've seen people serve others at the expense of their own well-being over and over, and then they burn out. They eventually end up I've seen in a hospital or chronically depressed, anxious, they have anxiety, fatigue. They emotionally don't have much to give to others because their well is just dry. Eventually, it causes them to burn out altogether. You see this again in marriages, at jobs. Um, we see this in the church quite frequently. I'll speak to something I'm a little connected to. Can anyone guess the percentage of pastors who stay in ministry until retirement? So people who enter ministry and they actually retire as a pastor, can anyone guess the percentage of that? What? Four? 30? 15? It's 10%. 10% of pastors stay in ministry until retirement. That means 90% of pastors leave ministry before they retire. A Duke University study actually found that 85% of seminary graduates entering the ministry leave within five years. There's these, these people who said they want to jump in and serve others, but they burn out quick. And I think a lot of that has to do with 
um, some of the theology that we carry and some of the ideas that we have as far as what we are supposed to do or be, but burnout is real. There's people you know that serve others really well, and they can use the reminder oftentimes that they need to take care of themselves. One of the things that I, I think we're beginning to see this a little bit more, even in some of the studies I read, like with pastors where there, there's more acknowledgement of like, hey, we need to take care of this person. We need to, they need a sabbatical. We need to, because they're just going and going and going. They're, they're, and I, I think part of that is us as pastors have like put it on ourselves. Um, not part, a lot of it. Um, we have this, this idea that we have to be everything for everyone and be um, what that pastor is or have this big thing going. And so we just, just go in and go in and eventually they burn out. And so there's this idea now that people are pouring into um, taking care of those who are serving others. But it's especially real, I believe, in the church's burnout. And for a lot of us, we were on the other side of that, um, that thing in church where we served. We got in, we bought in. They were like, you could come do this, you could serve here and serve here and serve here and serve here. And eventually you just became a cog in the wheel and it just felt like you were being used and you burned out. And that, that's reality. So taking care of ourselves is really important. We, we quote scriptures like this in church, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me and I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. And then we wonder how to find that oasis right? Like that, that peace. Oftentimes it becomes more of a mirage of an oasis than the real thing. Like peace is a hard thing to come by um, at times when we have been brought into this idea of you must serve in order to prove who you are, how good you are. People will say you're burning the candle from both ends and eventually you burn out because you can't take care of yourself. So bitterness, burnout, those are two. Number three, this was a fun one, codependency. Um, when we don't take care of ourselves, this can, we, can, we can roll into codependency. I'm not going to get into a ton of this. I'm not a psychologist, therapist, all of the things above that know more about this than I do. But I often find that when people do not care for themselves and take ownership for that care for themselves, that they try to make that the responsibility of others. We want them to mind read. For some reason, we think they should know when we need to rest or when we need a little extra help. If I'm honest, in a lot of these, this is probably me. Um, out of the three, codependency would probably be one that I'm like. Like, when we hired Mark, one of Mark's jobs was to remind me to eat lunch. Like, I'm a 41-year-old man. <laughs> I need another man to remind me to eat. Like, that's maybe a little codependent, right? Like, don't forget to remind me, though. Like, don't. I still need to, but that was one of the things he was like, I'm going to remind you to eat. So he will come in at like 12, 15 and like, Hey, have you gotten lunch yet? I'm like, no, not yet. Um, and he's like, well, what are you buying us for lunch today? Uh, <laughs> I see what's happening. The little codependent. Um, but it, I, I could see this in my own life. For some reason we think that, um, people should know when we need to rest. When we need a little extra help. Someone needs to make us happy. So we just throw the unattainable expectation on others to keep us happy, which makes for relationship, makes relationships about others meeting your emotional needs versus enjoying and supporting one another. It doesn't mean we can't be there for others, because I think we need to be there for others at times, but when we solely put the responsibility on others for our care, we lose our self-awareness, and that's just not healthy. 
It's not part of understanding how to take care of ourselves. That's why the series is called Take Care of Yourself, not because we want to remove our ability as a community to love each other or to be there for other people, but because oftentimes when we're not healthy, our interactions and our relationships become more self-serving, more self-focused. It's hard for us to actually love each other in a healthy way. So we want to be a space and a place that invites us to take care of ourselves so that we can be available for others. Last week we spoke about this verse, or we, we spoke about um, the idea of not taking care of ourselves and how it can become self-serving. We're gonna, I'm going to read a verse real quick in Philippians 2. It says this. There's this idea that valuing others, I read this all the time. It's a verse that we use a lot. But there's this idea of valuing others above yourself in a way that's... Um, that's like Christ-like, but there's a reason for it. There's a way that leads to it. Philippians 2 verse 2 says this, your Christ-mindedness completes my delight. You co-echo the same agape. We are soulmates, resonating the same thoughts. Verse 3 says, no hidden agenda with a compromised mixture of leaven or empty philosophical flatter can match a mind that genuinely values others above oneself. So sometimes in this verse, we catch the part that says genuinely values others above oneself, and we're like, this is what we're supposed to do. But in verse 4, there's how you do that that is much more important. It says this, to discover your own completeness in Christ frees you to turn your attention away from yourself to others. So there's a step to this. There's a prerequisite for us to be able to value others above ourselves. We have to know who we are. In fact, in Scripture, it says that we love, other, love others the way that, that you love yourself, right? Well, if I don't love myself well, it's really hard for me to love others that way. How do I do this? I have to understand my completeness in Christ. So there's this prerequisite. Because caring for ourselves has a ripple effect on the ones that we love and serve. It, it carries out into all of our relationships. The idea that lasting, meaningful change and healing is driven by self-acceptance is something that we're trying to drive home. Because to understand who we are, to love who we are, to be who we are, is to understand that we have been complete in Christ, that we have been loved, forgiven, and we can live from that place. I heard an interview the other day with um, Brene Brown um, where she said this, the opposite of belonging is fitting in. Which I thought was really interesting. The opposite of belonging is fitting in. She went on to say, fitting in is assessing a group of people and the way of thinking. Who do I need to be? What do I need to do? What do I need to wear? How do I need to act? And ultimately changing who you are. So you no longer belong, you fit in, because you've become what they expect you to be. Anybody ever seen this? Anybody go to high school? Church? But true belonging never asks us to change who we are. Brittany alluded to this earlier. It demands we be who we are. True belonging never asks us to change who we are. It demands we be who we are. If we fit in because we've changed ourselves, that's not belonging because you've betrayed yourself for other people. So how do we do this? How do we belong? We have to know who we are. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to notice when we're not taking care of ourselves and we're seeing the signs of ways that we are not loving ourselves well. Another statement Brene Brown said was this, I belong everywhere I go. 
no matter where it is or who I'm with, as long as I never betray myself. And the minute I become who you want me to be in order to fit in and make people like me is the moment I no longer belong anywhere. I belong everywhere I go, no matter where it is or who I'm with, as long as I never betray myself. Here's the kind of underlying thing in this, though. You have to understand who you are in order to not betray who you are, right? It's an everyday practice. It's learning. In the book, The Cure, one of my favorite books, John Lynch says it this way, when I wear a mask, the only thing that gets loved is the mask. So when I go home and take off the mask, I've not truly been loved, only the mask has. We can't, we can't experience love when we are being something just to fit in because we're not being who we are. We're, people are loving the version of us that's not truly us. We're not taking care of ourselves by just trying to fit in. Taking care of yourself involves discovering who you are and loving you for you. I had written down this one, these, these like steps where we go home and look in the mirror and say things to ourselves. The, the affirmation things. Um, I was actually going to do that as a group, and I was like, that could get real weird. <laughs> but do that when you go home. Um, anybody have some good affirmations to, to say to yourself? Miss Mary, what do you say to yourself when you look in the mirror in the morning? Be you. I'm me. If there's anything about Miss Mary, I know Miss Mary's going to be her. Right? It's amazing. One thing about Miss Mary, Miss Mary's going to be Miss Mary, which is amazing. Anybody have an affirmation? Casey, what do you, never mind. Uh, I'm just kidding. Now we, we, I'm a saint. You even have a song. Can we play it? I'm just kidding. I'm a saint. I'm a saint. That's what I tell the devil when he tell, when I tell he tells me that I ain't something like that. Anybody else affirmations you tell yourself? What do you got? Someone's gonna win today. Might as well be you. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Dion said that too, and it just didn't work. Um, I'm just kidding. I love Dion. I'm I'm loving. Some of you are like, who's Dion? It's football. Um, anybody else? I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. Beautifully and wonderfully made. Sometimes it's hard for us to believe these, but they're super important to us. I, I remember there's a scripture that's quoted quite a bit, and I, I think some theology has been built off of it that can be harming. It says, less of me and more of you, God. You ever heard this? Less of me and more. I, in fact, I remember... Early on, um, when I got into pastoring, I, I would pray, like, God, like, you speak, not me. Like, remove me so that you can speak. And I had a pastor come up to me and be like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I was like, no, it does. Like, God speak. And he's like, no, 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 but God, God made you. Why would he want to remove you? It, he placed you here. Why would he want to take you out? Everything about you that he made is what he wants to use in order to show his love to other people. So there, there's something about you that he wants to use in order to do that. So stop praying to get out. Just, just pray to know who you are so that God can use you. And it was, it was this idea that I, I still had to wrestle with for a little bit. Because in John 3.30, 30, 
We hear John the Baptist, and this is the, the scripture that's quoted where it says, he must become greater, I must become less. And we take this scripture and, and, and we use it in these ways. But the reality is John the Baptist in this instance is describing real time that Jesus is the Messiah walking the earth. He's alive. John the Baptist was baptizing people. He, he, was, he, he had a ministry happening. And then Jesus shows up. And John the Baptist in real time is saying, no, that Jesus is the Messiah walking the earth. And my ministry was to point people to Jesus. And now he must become the Messiah and be the Messiah that he was made to be. I was just here to point to him. And so now he, he's going to be, become greater. I will become less in this ministry aspect. Because people were like, hey, I don't know if you've seen it, but Jesus is baptizing people and he's got more people at his church service than you do. Like this is, what's ha like, this is literally what they said. And this is when John's like, yeah, that's kind of the point. The idea was he's the Messiah. I was just here to, to bring people and then point them to him. And so we, we take this idea and we're like, oh, we have to become less so that he can become great. And like, I don't think what it's saying is that who you are as a person, your personality, your uniqueness, your abilities, your capability of loving others very uniquely in the way that you can must go away. I think that makes very little sense to me. God says, I created you, and I want you, like, if, if it's like, well, I created you, but I want you to no longer be you in order for you to be somebody else or to be something, like, you, you be less so that I can be great. Like, does that make sense? If I created you, if I'm the creator, if I'm God, the perfect creator, and I create Alex, I don't want Alex to try and be anybody else but Alex. And I don't want him to think that he can't be him. Because if, if I'm the creator that made him and I'm like, hey, don't be you, then it's kind of the creator's fault, right? I'm not saying it's God's fault. But I'm saying that we're putting some blame on the creator. Like, hey, you made me, right? No, I think God wants us to understand who we are so that we can live in a way that we are sharing the healthiest version of us to those around us. I don't know, maybe it sounds controversial. Is there a denying of you involved in the Christian life? I, I think we've said to deny ourselves, and we, we pull this from Scripture, but I don't think it's a self-hatred or devaluation of a, of a person. I think it's a call away from self-centeredness, which is different than self-care or being you, there's a call away from self-centeredness to Christ-centeredness. And it, it may sound the same on the surface, but I think there's a very important nuance to it. Christ-centered doesn't mean, or doesn't call for you to not be you. It's a call to know who you are and to live from that place. Because we find who we are in Christ, we find that we are complete in Christ, and then we get to live from this place. There's a difference. Religion would say, you are bad, you can't be good, you can't be trusted, you must decrease so God can increase. But I believe the gospel says, believe that I made you, believe that I made you good, believe that I have made you trustworthy, believe that you are forgiven, believe that you are loved, and then you can love the way that Christ has loved you. When you believe these things, you can live from this place. The hard work of this is learning and finding who we are. Like that, I think that's the hard, that's the work of life, right? That's the work of the Christian life is to learn who we are. Because we get a lot of like 
false information, bad information. Um, we, we get fed these lies, and so it's really hard for us to work through some of that. Many of us have such poor self-identity, or we completely, or completely lack understanding of who we are because of what we've been told or what we've grown up with, that we've fallen into this place where bitterness, burnout, codependency, and the list goes on, are how we live. So this week... As we go about our week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to self-evaluate a little bit. I'm going to ask you to think about how you might be viewing yourself. Think about where, where you might be believing something about yourself that is not true. Think about how you might not be taking care of yourself. And, and I think some of this, as we've talked about, we haven't really hit on taking care of yourself in a physical way because I'm not the guy to talk to you about that. Don't laugh at that. That's the most relatable thing I've ever said. Thanks, Blanca. Um, Duncan, thank you. I did. I had tacos. Marty brought some for me, Um, because she said, you need to eat breakfast. Um, I did. Now, I think there is, there is a healthy aspect of like taking care of yourself from a physical standpoint that we could do better at. Not we, I could, and some of us could. Um, but I think most of what we're talking about here is taking care of ourselves in an emotional and spiritual way, which oftentimes is, is harder to maybe pinpoint. It's easy for me to pinpoint if I'm not healthy in a physical way. This happens, right? And then when I begin to healthily take care of myself in a physical way, this goes away, right, so at some point. Or I can run up and down my stairs more than twice in my house and not be like, <gasps> right, there's, there's something that's it's much easier for me to know, like, oh, I'm getting healthier in a physical way. Now, emotionally, it's a little harder to figure out. We have to step back and do a little bit of self-evaluation. We have to look and see, like, what emotions are driving who I am or what I'm doing. And so it takes a minute to step back and say, what, what am I believing? How am I acting? Am I taking care of myself on the emotional side? Am I taking care of myself on a spiritual side? Do I believe what God is saying about me? Or am I allowing lies of the enemy to drive who I think I am? And that is then driving how I treat other people. Sometimes, be careful, we can ask those around us if they think we're taking care of ourselves well. I said, be careful. Make sure it's somebody you trust, somebody who has a little bit of like uh, relational equity with you, right? That you can, you can cash in and be like, hey, do you see anything? Like in a close relationship, I think that's part of what we get to do in those close relationships. In a marriage, uh, there should be times where we can be like, hey, are you all right? Because here's what I'm seeing. And not take it as a defense, you know, not defense, put my defensive walls up and be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, you're, you're, you're kind of irrit- irritable lately. Don't tell me that. But I think we can do that. There were times where we're like, hey, you're all right. Like, Monty will be like, hey, you're, you need to get some rest. Like, you, you need to just go, go. I'm going to take the kids. This is, this is the best. Like, I'm going to take the kids. You just go. Like, right now, I don't know what's happening. But, like, we're doing, we're doing some stuff. We're working. Got, got this business thing going. And, like, last week, I, I, I flew to New York for an event, and I was there for a couple days, just me. And Maddie was like, yeah, yeah, go. You need to go. And I was like, oh, 
Yeah? She says, yeah, I got the kids. You do it. And then next week, or this, this coming week, Jaden and I are going to L.A. for another, like, event for the business. Um, and she's like, yeah, go, go. I'm like, man, she's, something's about to get cashed in, or, <laughs> or she, she, honestly, I think what it is, is she's just loving me in a way where she's like, hey, you, I know you need to do these things. You need to do this. Like, it's good for you. You need to go make some money. Um, all those things. I believe in that. Is there something that's... See, in relationships, honesty is a really good thing. Um, <laughs> but I think having a relationship where somebody can be like, no, 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 you need to take care of yourself. It takes away some of the codependency um, that a lot of us live in. It, takes, it, it gets us in a place where someone is helping us to see that we are lacking in our ability to love ourselves. But I do think there is a self-awareness that we need to step back and begin to ask. Am I, how am I doing in this? Am I taking, like, be honest with yourself. Are you taking care of yourself? Today I am, which is, that's where it starts, right? I think for those of us, like, I know we've had this conversation, right? Valerie serves and serves and serves, and there are times where it's like, hey, you, you got you to gotta take care of yourself. You've got to love yourself because if you don't, you're going to burn out. And you haven't yet. Maybe once or twice. Once a month. See, that's real though, right? That's real. Like there, there's this moment of like, ah. Uh. And so there's this idea of like, how do I learn to find a healthy balance of loving myself, taking care of myself so that I can then love others well, so I can be available for others. And I think we miss this a lot of times, especially in the church. We miss it. It's all about go, 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 go. And we forget that, hey, we need to be healthy in a way that we can love others well. It's hard work. It's the hard work of learning who you are, living from a place of being known and loved and trying to understand that and believe that and live from that. There's a passage in Colossians that I read all the time. It's... I don't know, I guess a life passage now. It's what I think our ministry, um, what the arsenal is kind of guided by. And in it, it talks about how we can love others well, being patient, um, compassionate, kind, what it looks like to love those, to robe ourselves in the virtues of being merciful and forgiving and loving and kind and compassionate. This is who we are, and so do this is how you love people. There's this whole list but at the beginning of that list, in Colossians 3.12, it points out one thing. It says that we are dearly and always loved by God. And I've pointed this out multiple times, but when it starts, it says, you are always and dearly loved by God, so clothe yourself in these virtues. But the reality is that if we don't believe and understand that we are always and dearly loved by God, if we are not experiencing the love of God, it's really hard for us to do the rest of the stuff on that list, to be compassionate, to be kind, to be forgiving, to be patient. I think it says to tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, to be patient. Uh, the, I forget the word now, but it's like to be like overly patient. That's not that. Anyway, but to be patient with others. 
But all of this comes from a starting point, a foundation of knowing who we are, believing who we are, experiencing that love, and then we can love others well. So how do we do that? What does it look like when we're not taking care of ourselves? And then how do we find out who we are, experience that so that we can then love others well? Well, it's 12, 13, so I'll just tell you guys that next week. Um, come back next week. We're going to talk about what it looks like to actually not only believe this, but to live from this. But right now, this week, here's what you're going to do, if you want to. Go love yourself well. Go do some inner work of trying to figure out who you are. Ask the questions. Look in the mirror. And do an affirmation and see if you can believe it or if you just laugh at yourself or if you're just like, yeah, whatever, dude. Um, especially, uh, there's, there's guys in this room that I'm looking around, they're like, I'm not doing that. Do it. Go, go tell yourself that you are loved. That you belong, that somebody's going to win today and it may as well be you. If you don't believe it, that's okay. Sometimes we need to hear it over and over and over again. But I think this week, let's take some time to evaluate, am I taking care of myself? Am I burning the candle from both ends? And if so, what does that look like? And how do I, how do I delegate? How do I stop doing something? How do I step back and make me a priority for a little bit so that I can be a healthy version of myself and begin to love and serve others well? How do I do that? Some of you guys are looking down right now like, oh. We got to do it. Because if we're not healthy versions of ourselves, we will burn out. We will become bitter. We will become completely codependent and we will lose who we are. And as a community, we don't want that for you. As, past, as a pastor, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I want us to be healthy versions of ourselves so that we can be a healthy community that is loving this community well. But the only way we can do that, I believe, is to take care of yourself so that we can then love others well. So this week, go love yourself well so we can be healthy people who know we truly belong anywhere we are and are capable of loving others well because that's who we're truly made to be. Thank you for listening. Our hope is that you feel loved and encouraged. If you have questions or need prayer, please email hello at thearsenal.church and don't forget to download the Arsenal Church app.